0: This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield.
1: Hello and welcome to a very special Blood Red podcast with me, Paul Gorse, the Liverpool Echo's LFC correspondent. For this episode, I sat down with none other than Liverpool left-back Andy Robertson. He told me all about his book, "Robo," Now You are Gonna Believe Us, and the formation of his brand new charity, the AR26 Foundation. Alongside Scottish football presenter Emma Dodds, we spoke to the Red Star and Scotland captain all about his book, his charity and we even gave the floor to Liverpool fans who entered with a QA and a session for a very candid one-on-one with the Liverpool star. Robertson was on fine form throughout as he talked about winning the Premier League with Liverpool, the formation of his brand new charity and just what it was like on the night when Liverpool were crowned champions for the first time in 30 years at Formby Hall Golf Course.
0: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, good evening and thank you for joining Andy and I for the official launch of AR26. It's fantastic to be here with you and finally to be talking publicly about something that I know has been in the planning for a really long time. It's cold, it's dark outside, so it's brilliant to have us, have you guys hanging with us this evening on what is sure to be a, a really, really special night for AR26. Now, what a year, 2020, what what can we say about it? Um, you managed to get your hands on the, the Premier League trophy. Did it live up to expectations?
2: Yeah, of course. When we were uh, when we were obviously fighting for it and got so close, then you know, we were dreaming of having the fans there and what a special occasion it would have been at Liverpool. But um we made the most of it and you know, very difficult circumstances we um certainly made the most of it and made sure that we we done everything properly, like lifting the, the trophy in the cup. I'm not sure many many teams will will experience anything like that. So, um, yeah, look, it, it was a fantastic achievement. We would have loved our fans to be in there with us, but the fact that we still managed to complete the season and and lift the trophy above our heads, that's, uh, that's all that mattered to us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I've been reading your book, Robot, Now You're Going to Believe Us, and it starts in Madrid. And when you think back over the past 18 months or so, Champions League, Premier League. And of course, I can't do this conversation without mentioning Scotland are now going to, to a major tournament. I mean, what what more have you got to achieve? It must have just been the most amazing few months for you.
3: Yeah,
2: look, it's been, it's been incredible, to be honest. Um, you know, you play football to experience these highs. Um, and I'm so lucky that in the last couple of years, I've experienced quite a few of them. Um, you know, obviously the Champions League was... A night we'll never forget a one off yeah. final and uh, all the pressure that goes along with it and then to hear that final whistle we'll never I'll never forget that feeling. And then the Premier League was more of a more of a slog week in, week yeah. out, and um, you know, play, playing through pain, playing through, you know, everything else that goes along with a Premier League and um managed to get over the line and then the icing on the icing on top of the cake was just someone's uh, obviously uh, not
0: watching us right now and they don't know that you're live
2: yeah i know that's what i'm thinking yeah um hopefully none of my family members um um, yeah looking obviously the icing on top of the the cake was qualifying for a major tournament you know it means so much to me my country means a lot to me um being captain i have that added um responsibility and um to end that 23 year wait until we kick off in the euros is You know, just something that probably not quite came to terms with, but, you know, this summer will be a special occasion for for the whole country.
0: That's the point, isn't it? Because I know we had a chat earlier on in the year and, you know, you were talking about how much it would mean to you to get Scotland to a tournament. And and here we are. You're there living in a city where football is, is basically life and death, isn't it? It's the most important thing. But you've managed to achieve something now that affects doesn't matter who you support up here it affects every single person who supports football in the nation I mean I think your party as well afterwards suggested that you boys enjoyed that
2: <laughs> yeah it was uh, like it says uh, it's been a long time since probably anyone's seen a Scotland team celebrate like that and um, you yeah, know I, I do still think the Congo was a step too far but I, I was I was right in the middle of it but um, <laughs> no nah, like, you know our country's been through a lot of heart in terms of football, um, in terms of supporting the national team for a whole generation. You know, my whole generation, I hadn't seen Scotland at a major tournament. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was Liverpool and Scotland were a bit similar. You know, we spoke about winning the Premier League, we spoke about qualifying for a major tournament, but I don't think people really believed it was ever going to happen. It was one of yeah. these things that just everyone says, OK, another year, another year, another campaign or whatever. And then to be able to end both their weights is... Um, you know, is incredible for, for both squads that I was involved in. I'm, I'm privileged to be a part of both of them, but um, to end both a really long wait for both was um, an incredible feeling and, you know, gives me such a high playing this game and, and that's what will keep driving me forward.
0: Absolutely. You've been the toast of many a football fan over the past couple of months, Andy. And now I know we're going to talk more about your book in a second, but they sort of go hand in hand, the charity and the book. And, um, Did you enjoy writing it? Because you're still relatively young in your career. It's quite, you know, it's not unusual to have a book out yet, but again, you've got a lot to put in it.
2: Yeah. um, You know, when, you know, I think the publishers won't mind me saying when they first came to me, I I knocked it back pretty much straight away because, like you said, still quite young and and everything that goes along with that. But, um, you know, when then I heard what their kind of storyline wanted to be and, Obviously, the charity was then at the very, very early stages. um, And I thought that would be a great way to start a charity, Um, you know, funds of it going towards, um, you know, helping my charity to get up and running and and be able to help, hopefully, many kids. So once I weighed all that up, once me and, you know, I weighed it up with Rachel, my partner, all the other people that were involved in the r 26 and we thought, you know, for the sake of me writing a diary for a year that's been incredibly successful then, um you know why not let's go for it because the money we raise will be we be well worth it and it's proven that way but once i got going um i think the first maybe chapter i was a wee bit like you know should i be doing this should i not and then by the end of it i was loving it um you know i really did enjoy it i enjoyed um you know involving the people that involved in it and helped me in it and um yeah it was incredible to be fair and you know i hope a lot of people enjoyed reading it because i certainly enjoyed doing it
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I say, I mean, I've been reading it and it's, it's low. It just it's low. Would you also look at how it, like you say, it's led you to come to the charity because I know you've been thinking about doing a child for a number of years. I mean, really, what would you see in your sort of being as been the catalyst for doing twenty six?
2: There's been, a, there's been quite a few things, to be honest, um, you know, being a parent ourselves, me and Rachel, obviously, we've got two amazing young kids, and, you know, when you become a parent, I think your whole kind of thought process changes, you know, you worry about them every <laughs> single day, you, you want the best for them, and I, I know, you know, every parent's the same, so you start thinking about how we can help, you know, maybe parents and things like that that aren't um, as fortunate as we are, uh, and kids that aren't as fortunate as our kids will be, um, you know, My, you know, I think at the start of my career I, I was probably a bit guilty in terms of, you know, not knowing, even when I first went to Liverpool, not maybe accepting or knowing that, um, you know, that my voice carries that maybe a wee bit louder than, than somebody else's, you know. I, I've done plenty of interviews with you and you know me, you know, long enough that, you know, that I, you know, I try and live as normal a life as possible. And, you know, probably abnormal circumstances in terms of being in the telly all the time, you know cameras in your face and, and things like that. But I then had to accept that, okay, if I say something and somebody else says something, then my voice might carry that a bit further And if I can use that voice for, for the greater good and I can help, you know, I hope to help thousands of kids, but if I can help one, then I believe that, you know, the R26 has been well worth it. So we have so many plans in place to help, you know, a lot more, of course, and um, I hope to use my voice and my vision and everything along with this charity to to try and make a big difference in Scotland because I do believe the gap's getting bigger and, you know, if anyone can help to close that, then then so be it. You know, I'm, I'm not going to do it on my own and I'm not expecting to, but if I can make a bit of a difference and, And people becoming more aware of it and and try and help as well, then I believe Mm -hmm. that we can certainly make a big difference in our country.
0: Absolutely, and it's why we're definitely to try and raise awareness. You can see the website details of where you can donate under the the screen at the moment you know this is a collective and it's leading it you know if anyone can help then obviously it it goes without saying that it would be massively appreciated and it's all going to an unbelievable cause but at this time of year as well i believe that we're launching with a christmas campaign can you tell us a bit more about that
2: yeah look perfect time um it's just kind of fallen all into place round about christmas time you know i think we started you know, we started putting the things in place about February time, you know, March, I think it was, just mm-hmm. before COVID and then COVID let us focus on it a lot. Um, But now everything's just all came together just at this time and, you know, a perfect way, Um, you know, Christmas time's all about, you know, spreading joy and being happy and um, trying to lead up to, to Christmas. So um, we thought a perfect idea to, you know, the 26 days before it will end on Christmas Eve to do a, an advent calendar and um, we're going to be helping Um, you know smaller charities we're going to be helping you know with free football zoom sessions of course these are the new these are the new 2020 kind of life now Um, and then you know helping helping people with life-changing experiences as best as we can just now and you know I I think um, I think we're giving you an exclusive on here that about day one and um, it's a life-changing experience for for two families that are going through you know a tough time at this moment and you know I'll let Callum's mum mum explain that a bit better but um, it's a fantastic opportunity for two families that may be struggling at this moment in time. Mm-hmm. Well, without further ado, you've already
0: introduced it to usefully. Let's do the big reveal then and let's see exactly what day one of the calendar reveal is all about.
3: Hi, Caroline here from Callum's Cabin. Um, We're just absolutely delighted to be the recipient of the AR26's first day um, of the advent calendar um, door Christmas campaign. It means so much to us uh, to be be the first door. The money that is going to be donated, which is 1,500 pounds, will make such a difference and will help two families in the new year come to Callum's cabin and spend a week with their child who is suffering from cancer or a cancer-related disease. This will allow the family to spend quality family time together Um, just recharge their batteries for what may lie ahead and and have memories that will last them a lifetime. So honestly, it means so, so much to us. And thank you so, so much again to um, AR26's Advent Calendar campaign. Take care and stay safe. Thank you.
0: Oh, brilliant to hear firsthand there, isn't it? Just the difference that that will make to, to those two families, particularly with, you know, with the initiatives that we're doing now. And, you know, while Christmas is a really happy time for a lot of people, it can be a really tough time as well, can't it, for a lot of people? I mean, it's early days, but already you must feel really proud, Andy, of just seeing directly the impact that the charity can have.
2: Yeah, I think I think we're all really proud of it. You know, like I said, me, Rachel, the AR26 team behind us, we're all already proud and we're not even got started because mm-hmm. you know like you said my my kids will wake up from you know presents from santa and you know presents from family and stuff but you know some some families aren't you know as, as lucky as that and that's why you know without giving too much away further yeah. along the way you know we do you know christmas presents and things are a forefront of a couple of the doors and and things like that so um look the fact that we can give two families you know a week's holiday yeah. and the Isle of Bute and um, at Callum's Cabin is, is incredible and like I said you know I've mentioned Covid quite a lot but staycations have become a lot more more yes. common in 2020 and you know we thought that was the perfect way to kind of kick everything off so um, you know incredible when the new year kicks in then obviously we'll um, we'll have two families going there and it might just give them that little bit of respite that, that they need through a really tough time might be able to create memories um, and things like that so you know a great one to kick us off and you know hopefully it's a kind of a sign of people for for what's coming next because you know all of them are incredible um Callum's cabin and Callum's mum's an incredible woman and um so it was a great way to start it but you know leading up to Christmas obviously we help a lot more charities and and um, that's why it's important to stay tuned and, and see what other ones we're helping
0: yeah that's that's the point isn't it there's so many unsung heroes out there that are going to benefit but let's bring it back to the book then because all the proceeds from book are, are going to your charity which as you've touched on was one of the reasons that you did it but um you know the book i can say i've said it again i'm reading the book at the moment it's a brilliant gift if anyone's looking for something to put you know, in the Christmas pile, there it is there. You can get it. And it's, you know, you can tell by the way it's written that it's it's straight from Robert's heart and Robert's mouth as well. So it's growing to see. But and um, we're going to have a little bit more of a look into some of the best bits of it, though. I, I'm slightly ahead of it because I've been reading it. But we're going to bring in now Paul Gorse, who's the Liverpool correspondent. Uh, and you, Paul, uh, have played such an integral part in all of this as well that, that Paul's going to be able to come in and have a chat with us just really about what's happening with the book. and by the magic of <laughs> 2020 paul is now with us paul it's great to have you here welcome along you know it's brilliant i know you've got so many stories and so many questions for andy now so let me hand you over the floor
1: yeah uh, good to see you both guys um andy we've been asking our followers on the Pool like host twitter and facebook and instagram and just to get their questions in and we'll do a little q a uh, in a few minutes and, and the response has been incredible uh, questions have come in from from every corner of the globe really so we'll get into that shortly but i uh, just want to ask you a couple of my own first uh, about the book um first one's a bit of a simple one really it's uh, i mean when you signed for liverpool in the summer of 2017 did you think that within three years you'd be sitting down talking about winning the premier league and the champions league
2: it's, it's a tough one to answer, Paul. You you know, I think you've been you know, obviously you're a scouser and you've been involved with Liverpool a long time that you know, the day you sign with Liverpool the expectation of you is is pretty high. Um and we you know, when a club that expects trophies, expects success. And of course the Premier League title was a long, long way waiting, but you do believe and I did I did believe. Um probably why the the um, you know the book's called Now You're Gonna Believe Us but um, you know, whether you know, whether I knew it was going to happen within the first three years. I I don't think I'm a psychic, but I did believe that I was enjoying, uh, you know, joining an incredible club that was going in the right direction under the manager and, you know, the signings he was making and the kind of way he was transforming the squad into the way he wanted it. So I did believe success would come. Um, Obviously, I'm not going to say that I knew we were going to win the Champions League and the Premier League within 12 months of each other, but um, I did believe that we could be successful and I think, We've shown that and hopefully it's just the start. Hopefully there's more trophies to come, but you know, in the time we'll tell on that.
1: Yeah, well, to, to our tonight's event, uh, we've got a little, little video I want to show you um, from none other than your manager, Jürgen Klopp. So just hand you over to Jürgen for a few minutes.
3: <laughs> Hi. So, look what I have in my
0: head. This is a book from and with Robbo. The famous number 26 from Scotland. And in my version, look at this, there's a little personal note in So that's good, so I probably will wait for the audio version. Or maybe this will be the first book I read in English, which has nothing to do with football tactics, I hope at least. It's about our journey, I think, in the last year. Didn't read it yet, but do it 100 per cent. and um i was involved in some of the stories so i can tell you it was a pretty interesting year so if i would not have it already i would buy it now <laughs>
1: no great endorsement earlier Do i want to buy the book for christmas
2: yeah if people aren't buying it after that then i mean they'll give up Remember <laughs> uh, maybe the first day we got it, the first copy and. I gave it to the manager, and he was buzzing. But um, yeah, it was. Uh, I think he. I think he has waited on the audiobook, To be honest, I don't think uh, <laughs> he's going to read, especially some of the Scottish probably slang and stuff like that. So I'm not sure he quite understand it. But um, hopefully, we'll have better luck with the audiobook.
1: Yeah. Yeah, um, I wanted to ask about your manager actually. In, in the book, uh, the, an interesting bit is around about uh, Boxing Day when you went to Leicester, and you just come back from the the trip to Qatar for the Club World Cup, and he allowed you the extra. The extra day off to spend Christmas morning with your families rather than training and so on, and you kind of said how much that meant to you and the rest of the squad and, and kind of spoke to the trust that he, he has in you all. I mean, is that one of his big strengths as a manager to kind of have that relationship with his players and, and make you want to kind of play for them a little bit more?
2: Yeah, I mean, like, obviously, you know, being a week, um, obviously we had the Club World Cup and being the week before Christmas away from, you know, a lot of us have young families, young kids that, um you know are getting excited for santa coming and excited for families coming down and things like that and for us to be the other side of the world was tough the manager knew that and we all knew that and you know it just shows you what a good you know man manager and what a good manager he is that you know he realized that and he thought going to a hotel on christmas night before the leicester game was wasn't a good idea and to sleep in your own house sleep in your own bed and like you said the trust they put in us to you know, not get carried away with Christmas dessert or anything like that, then, um, you know, it shows you that he certainly understands our situations. He certainly, you know, he had a young family once and, you know, obviously his kids are a lot older now, but um, he was probably in the same, you know, situation. So, um, you know, that, that really, you know, was a nice touch. And then, you know, you see what happened the next day. I'm not saying it was completely down to that. You know, there was a lot of people saying we were going to come back and we were going to be tired and the wheels might fall off, the title charge and everything like that. And, you know, we really wanted to prove people wrong when we came back. And I think that's what drove us forward the next six to eight weeks. But, you know, small things like that you always remember. And um, it makes you a lot more happier going into the next game. And and I definitely think we showed that in Boxing Day because it was probably our best performance of the season.
1: Mm. Yeah, you also spoke in the book about when you learned that Melbourne was going to be suspended and, and football would be kind of closing down for... You know no one knew at the time how long it was going to be for it was eventually three months i mean what was that period like for yourself and the team because there must have been so much uncertainty and, and question marks over what was going to happen and we know all about the, the zoom chats and and the training sessions and so on but um you know what, what was the atmosphere like for, for that period because it must have been so difficult
2: yeah look it was difficult for everyone in every walk of life like you said we had to you know i'd never heard of zoom before and now it's you know i think now everyone you know it's one of the first things that come to people's minds you know instead of meeting up should we do a zoom or whatever and you know before then it was coming to terms with it so look it was uncertain for everyone we were no different um you know the club tried to keep us informed as much as we could but nobody knew what was happening in life unfortunately and when you know, the death rate and the infection rate was so high, football was put to the back burner and everything was put, you know, it was about people's health and safety. You know, I've got, you know, I've got grandparents that were in high risk, you know, my parents, you know, and things like that. And you automatically are concerned about, you know, their well-being first and foremost. And, you know, I think like most families, but then, you know, as it starts to, you know, you start getting a bit more information about football and things like that, you, you then think, okay, well, we get to finish the season or, you know, what will happen and, all clubs had different agendas and everything like that. So, um, you know, the club were great with us. The club kept every message we got for them was was positive. Whether it was true or not, uh, we believed it. Um, and I think that's the way they went forward with it. Luckily, when it was safe to do so, we got back to training, we got back to playing and we managed to finish the job, which was nearly finished um, before we stopped. But, you know, it was at the very start when we were in the meeting at Melwood, it was, OK, take two weeks off and hopefully we're back training in two weeks, and then it became three, four, two months, one, and then, you know, it just kept on getting longer and longer and longer, and look, luckily for me, it gave me a lot of time to focus on, you know, the charity, and um, put a lot of work into it, yeah. which, you know, when you've got a busy period, you might have not been able to do a lot of what I did do in that time, so I definitely put it to good use. Like I said, I've got a young family. We spent a lot of quality family time, which we'll, we'll never, never get back, which is so incredibly important, and, um, so I, I used it to good use, but, you know, the, the first day back in training, I think you could ask my partner, Rachel, that I absolutely went bouncing out the door. And, uh, <laughs> I don't even think I said bye to them. I was straight in the car and off the wheel with a went. So um, I couldn't wait to get back. And, you know, luckily the season finished because I think that was the fairest way to do it. And it mm-hmm. proved that way.
1: Yeah. Just before we get into the fans' questions, I just want to ask you about the penultimate chapter of the book uh, when you mention it about it actually being confirmed as champions. And I know that you'll you'll never forget the uh, the party at Fombey Golf Course. I mean, uh, what, what was that like? It looked like some partying. We even seen uh Jürgen with some of his dance moves.
2: Yeah, to be fair, that 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 was that was only the I think that was only downside to the night when he when he broke out when he <laughs> <laughs> broke out with the moves. But no, look, like I said at the start, you know, in terms of lifting the trophy and stuff, that night was the same. It was such a special night. and um, you know, in really strange circumstances we made the most of it. Um, we had all the people that were in our bubble in Melwood there, um, and it meant we could celebrate it properly because it's a huge achievement and you know, I'd had you know, I'd uh, wished nothing more that I could have went out in the streets with all the fans and and things like that and had them all and had a big party in Liverpool, but it wasn't meant to be that night. Um, but you know, we had a great party, stayed up late and um, you know, it was deserved after a long, hard season. We, we deserved to celebrate it. And we celebrated it properly. and um, That's all we can ask. So it's a night I'll never forget. Um, you know, we've got a couple of them, and and luckily, you know, when I do hang up the boots, or you know, when I'm old and I'm sitting back in my chair, then I can look back at these nights and think, you know, you know, that was a, that was one hell of a night, and um, look what we achieved. But you know, we want more of the nights, and uh, that's what drives us forward. The
0: Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
1: Uh, okay well we'll get into some fans Q&A then um, once again for everyone watching on there uh, thanks for submitting your questions it's uh, it's great seeing them all coming from all corners of the globe um but I'll start with, with the one the questions about wingmen Um so many people asking about the mini charities with Trent I mean you are being compared to baton deck quite a lot would you believe um, how did that all come about how are you enjoying it you seem very relaxed in, in the videos
2: yeah, look, me and Trent bounce off each other. Um, we always have. Um, you know, we've got a great relationship off the pitch. Um, you know, a good one on it, but an even better one off it. And you know, they've kinda of approached us to do it and we're both, you know, more than comfortable in, you know, each other's company. And, you know, I think the next episode Hendo might be sitting in the back. So um hopefully the fans enjoy that one when we, we grill the skipper on a couple of things. And um so look, it was it was fun. Uh, we just wanted you know we know everyone's in a tough time just now and you know we wanted to bring a wee bit of light hearted mm-hmm. you know a bit of comedy a bit of you know chat a bit of insight a bit of everything and, and, and hopefully you know make people smile a wee bit hopefully we've done that um you know i know the feedback i've had has been has been pretty positive the only thing i would say is I think Anton and Decker are a bit even, you know. I think they're both presenters. I think I'm carrying Trent a wee bit, to be honest. So um, I'm not sure. We we'll maybe need to look at a better a better duo. But um, you know, like I said in the, I've said quite a few times in the wingmen series, is that I think I'm Batman and he's Robin, to be honest with him. But um, no, nah, you know, he's good value for money. We're both, um, you know, we both just try and be a bit light-hearted, be a bit in a relaxed environment, and you know, hopefully, you know, the fans don't always get to see that. And, like you said, hopefully they're hopefully they're enjoying it.
1: Yeah, does see that way. Uh, okay, so we've got this one from Laura Shakespeare from Armsgate. She says, uh, "Who is your best at LFC and why?"
2: We're we're really close as a group, which is so important. Um, you know, we have a really good close knit group of players. Um, you know, me and Trent, and you know, Ox and Hendo and Millie. We. We're a kind of pack, and um, you know, obviously, we lost Lallana in the summer, who was a big loss to the whole squad, but especially us. And um, you know, they're probably the closest. But you know, the the Dutch duo I get on really well with, Gina and Verge and and then Mo. Sadly, you know, the Brazilians. You know, the squad is you know so so tight, and and that's why I love going into work every single day. But um, you know, definitely the kind of the UK contingents is um, is very tight, and you know, I'd have to say probably probably them because we just bounce off each other and, um, you know, enjoy going into work every single day.
1: Uh, Steve Channon from Newport asks, uh, what's the most difficult aspect of being an LFC player and do you still have to pinch yourself when you go into training?
2: Yeah, I pinch myself most days to know that I'm a footballer, never mind playing with, you know, one of the best clubs in the world. Um, And, you know, being a Liverpool player is... It's a huge privilege, um, it's an amazing feeling, um, you know, also tough with the expectations on it but, you know, we that's what we want as footballers, we want these expectations being put on us week in, week out and and that's why, you know, we try and perform to our best every single week because of the fans' expectations, The you know, the the, the, the players' and the staff' expectations of you as your own so, you know, it's an incredible club to be involved in, um, you know, I love I love every day every day I went into Melwood every day I go to Kirby now. It's it's incredible and especially playing at Anfield, it's it's such a special club to play for and I hope to be here for many years to come and but I know my performances will dictate that. So, you know, hopefully I can keep performing at a high standard and, and be here for many years to come because um, you know, I do love this club, my family's fallen in love with this club and you know, when we're all settled as we are, then um, you know, it makes it it makes it that bit more special. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Bob Durant from Liverpool says, uh, "How much difference is a playing in empty stadiums compared to full ones, and do you find yourself having to concentrate more in these games?"
2: Yeah, look, playing playing behind closed doors isn't football. It's not, uh, you know, it's not the football we know. It's not the football we love. Of course, it's better than, you know, like I said, still has been in lockdown and not having any football on the telly. You know, I'm sure a lot of fans have enjoyed just having some sort of football back, but you know, football's not properly back until the fans are back in. We're in an entertainment business, Um, we're there to entertain and, you know, without having fans in the ground, it's, um, you know, it's tough, of course it is, and luckily we're making steps to get them back in, you know, hope, against wolves. I think we'll have 2,000, you know, I, I know that'll feel, you know, really small in terms of the size of Anfield, but it's a start and, you know, hope by the end of this season we'll have a full Anfield back because, you know, the fans, you know, deserve to be back in the stadiums when it's safe to do so and, I believe we're getting closer to that stage, so it's not the same. Um, but you know, we've got a job to do, and we still feel the love and we feel the expectations of the fans back home, and that's why we go out there and try and produce every single every single week. So, um, look, we try our best, but you know, for me, football is all about the fans. And without fans in the stadium, then you know the game won't return until until they're all back in the um, back all in the respective stadiums.
1: Yeah. And um, this might be a tough one from Henry O'Keefe out in France. He says, If you could pick one former Liverpool player to play in the current starting lineup, who would it be and why?
2: Oh, tough one. It'd probably be a centre back just now, to be honest, <laughs> <laughs> we're struggling in that position. <laughs> um, so uh, maybe, maybe Sammy Hippie or Jamie Carragher could do a job. Um, you know, usually, you know, He's an icon at the club, Stephen Gerrard. He's he's an incredible player, an incredible incredible person. But, you know, I know some of my Celtic friends are probably watching this at the moment and they, they might not be too happy with me saying him, but look, there's so many legends. But you know, for me there's there's one and um, you know, one pinnacle and it'd be, you know, Sir Kenny Dal He's been mm-hmm. amazing for me. Um keep the Scottish um keep the Scottish flown and um you know, I'm not sure what which one of the front three I'd kick out, but, you know, I'd probably kick any of them out for, for Sir Kenny, so um, that's fine, so I'll probably go for him.
1: Well, sticking with the front three, the next question from Mohammed Azar in London. He said, uh, what is Man 8 for me and Salah's relationship really like and what did he like as people? The whole team seems really close and has a strong bond, which is so beautiful because of how diverse the squad is.
2: I thought you were going to say Mohamed Salah there. I'd have been really impressed if it was uh, <laughs> a, a question from him. But, like the relationship's really good. Um, you know, off the pitch, it's really strong. Um, and, you know, on the pitch, it's really strong. The link-up play and, and everything is, is always good. But, you know, these players are also paid to be, you know, selfish. We need them to, you know, score goals. We need them to take risks in the final third. We need them to, you know, add, <coughs> um, you know, jot into that category now. Um, when they're in front of goal we, we expect them to shoot and expect them to score. And um you know, I know there's been certain occasions where people've said, you know, maybe, you know, Sadio could have passed, Mo could have passed, Bobby could have passed or whatever. But look these guys are made paid paid money to make split second decisions and, and to score goals for us. And with three of them plus the O-Go, are incredible incredible players. Um you know they all they've all showed it since they've came to this club on the on the highest level and you know, the, the the best thing for Liverpool fans and the best thing for us is, you know, they're still improving. They're still getting better year on year and um, there's still more to come from them. So, you know, all three of them in this question are, you know, fantastic to play with. You know, when I'm a bit deeper and I look up and I see the they 3 in front of me, you know, I'm never short of options and, um, you know, it's a pleasure to play with all three of them. And, um, like I said, the relationship on the pitch and off, it's really strong. And just like every other relationship in the squad and, um, you know, that's why over the last couple of years, we've been quite successful because, you know, you get nowhere with, without these relationships.
1: Okay. The next one's coming from Daniel Mahmood in India Um Daniels asks, uh, during your journey to the very, very top, who drove you most to reach that level?
2: You know, a lot of people along the way, but you know, the one certainly is, you know, my family, um, you know, earlier part in my career. Uh, you know, you want to, you know, my mum and dad drove me forward, my brother drove me forward, my, you know, my aunties, my uncles, everyone. You know, I wanted to make my family proud. I wanted to make my family and friends proud. And then, you know, obviously when when Rachel and the kids come along, then, you know, you want to, you know, you want to make them, you know, be proud of you. You want to do everything you can to, you know, to come home and they're all happy because, you know, they live football with us. And a lot of people sometimes forget that, you know. You know, sometimes it's hard to explain to the kids that their daddy's away a lot and, you know, to Rach that, you know, we're no longer here, but it's all worth it when, you know, we know we're being successful and and they can see that and they get the rewards from that as well. So, you know, certainly family, family's huge for me, Um, you know, all my family and, you know, day to day, they drive me forward because I want to make them proud. I want to make my friends proud and and that's really what, um, you know, motivates me every day. I motivate myself to get better. Of course I do because... I love football, I love the sport, I love everything that goes along with it. But, you know, I think I think family is a huge one for me. Okay,
1: right, the next one's coming from the brilliantly named Thor Hogan out in Ohio. State. Great uh, name. Thor's <laughs> uh, Thor asking, what's been the best goal celebration of your time at Liverpool? So, not necessarily one of your own, but, uh, you know, something. Yeah, maybe... I, was, I
2: was going to say I've only scored a couple and I don't think my celebration <laughs> has been the best. I think Villa was just desperate to get back to the halfway line. Yeah brighton my first goal was to make it 5-0 in the last game of the season i'm not sure i'm not sure the fans were really bothered about it um so um i definitely wouldn't say mine you know bobby's bobby's famous for some goal celebrations um bobby's got some excellent ones i quite liked the uh, james milner's one when he brought out the walking stick and kind of limped away after he scored the penalty i quite enjoyed that one so um i'd have to give it to millie or bobby because you know, I think Bobby and the front the front lads probably have time to think about their celebrations. They maybe think during the week, if I score this weekend, what we're going to celebrate like. That doesn't happen with me. It, it, it's that rare of an occasion that I don't have time to think. I don't have time to think. It's just in split moments. And that's probably why, um, you know, my celebrations aren't, aren't up to much.
1: <laughs> um, this one's from Jack, uh, John Ashbrook in Warrington. He, he asks, which five people dead or alive would you have around for dinner?
2: Ooh. Oh, What a tough one that is
1: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> well, Do they need to the be from the same household Because of Covid <laughs> and, all the, and all the tier systems or Is this post Covid It'll be six years
1: then
2: Five people um, I think Kenny Douglas would be one um, I think Henrik Larson would be one yeah. I do I do yeah, anyway, come on. You, you, can't, you can't not get mentioned. Um, I think Jock Steen would be one. Um you know I'd love to I'd love to talk about Celtic winning the European mm. Cup and things like that and from his perspective. Um I think who else could be one? To be fair, from a Scottish perspective, I know you know Liverpool, Man United, but Sir Alex Ferguson is huge. Um, yeah. You know, I'd love to, you know, pick his brains and the squads that he's managed and the success that he had in his career. I'd, I wouldn't mind having a chat, and I think him and Kenny would probably bounce off each other and have some fantastic <laughs> chat. And then one more. Oh, I need a bit of entertainment there, don't I? Yeah. Something that's going to sing at the end of the night, maybe. Um, Oh, maybe a loose Capaldi or uh, <laughs> Calvin Harris maybe two, two, two lads sure. that are Scottish and up and coming. Mm-hmm. So I'll keep it Scottish to be fair. Uh, Kenny yeah. will keep the keep, Kenny will keep the Scousers happy. Um and then obviously yeah. um I'll keep it Scottish because and obviously, you know, the King Henrik will obviously be there without a shadow of a doubt. You could have
0: had Rod Stewart if you were keeping it
1: Scottish.
2: No I know, I know, I was thinking of Rod. I was thinking of Rod but Rod might Sorry. dominate the conversation, though. You know, it's like I know I was trying. I was trying to kind of keep down with the kids, to be honest. A bit, but, <laughs> um, Rod, Rod's a legend, so you know maybe. But uh, I was trying to keep kind of young and fresh a wee bit with the other two I mentioned.
1: Yeah, uh, just finally then, Andy. I mean, we're obviously for, for the for the advent of the IR twenty six charity and something that's so close to your heart and something you you're obviously committed to doing for the long haul. I mean. It's something we've seen quite a lot now with with this this band of players at Liverpool. So many of them do things kind of um, away from the spotlight. Some of them have got very open with their foundations and so on. Um, there does seem to be, you know, um, a collective kind of social responsibility in this squad. Is, is that something that you go along with?
2: Yeah, and I think that starts from the club. Paul, well, you know the, you know the club are very switched on with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. To be fair, Liverpool and Everton do an excellent amount in the community, um, and when you become when you become part of that, and you be, you sign for one of these clubs, it's it's also your duty to buy into that, and that's why you know a lot of the lads have done work at you know the food banks from both teams and and things like that in Liverpool because we know the percentage of people that use them in Liverpool are very high, um, and then like you said, you know, Melly's got his own foundation, Thiago, um, people like that, so. Look, for me, I wanted to start something. I've always, you know, thought about it for, you know, for a few years now, and and now was the right moment to do it. And, and now I believe we can help a lot, a lot of kids and, and and the families to go along with it. So, you know, like you said, I'm really passionate about it. Um, I hope it's for a long, long time, and and we can be so successful with it because I do believe we can make a big difference with the visions we have, with the projects we have, and you know, if we can just, you know, even that gap even slightly, then, you know, we can walk away from this whenever that comes, you know, so happy with it. Because, you know, like I said previously at the very start, you know, I do believe the gap's getting a bit bigger than, um, you know, these underprivileged kids, um, you know, sometimes get left behind. And I don't think that's fair. You know, I think kids are brought into the life as equals. And of course, we get brought into different circumstances, different surroundings, everything that goes with it. But, you know, they should have a fair crack at life. And, um, you know, if they're wanting it, then then we hope to we hope to provide that for them. And then it's up to them to to go and take it, and go and take the opportunities, and be a part of a team, and be a part of a community, and everything like that, and and go and try and really make make their own life. Because in my life, everything I've done, I've tried to do it hundred percent, and you know, forget about my football. I'm not I'm not Andy the footballer here. I'm you know a Andy trying to start one charity and be you know I've put hundred percent in a lot of things in my life and. You know, I think if if everyone can do that, then, you know, you'll be as successful as you're going to be because, you know, you've left nothing behind and, and you've put your all into any job and or whatever. So, um, you know, that's definitely our vision. That's definitely our aim for the Hope for Youth project, especially. And, um, you know, I'll certainly be the one trying to drive that forward.
1: Yeah, well, best of luck with it because it's another brilliant cause. Uh- a time when when people need it don't you? let's face it it's, it's as difficult as, as it's ever been at the moment so um good luck with that and i just want to say yeah uh, thanks a lot for your time and i'll pass you back to Anna. Thank, thank you very you
0: much both, top man. Man. honestly brilliant isn't it it's great to hear your, your own experiences andy and to, to to field some of the questions from the fans because i know a lot of them love that personal engagement with you and when we were putting stuff out in social media, you know, earlier on this week, we did see we we'd ask some other questions as well. I've just got a couple more here to put to you before, no we, before we go. But one here from Aidan, and it really just follows on from the last answer that you gave, but it says, eh, what different ways um, is the AR26 charity hoping to engage with young people in Scotland? Uh, and obviously what are you hoping to achieve? I'd say probably in the next five years.
2: Yeah, look, we have three main projects um you know the first one being the R26 football academy where we hope to take you know football up and down the country um for free um and provide you know free coaching and um you know being like you said being a part of a team being a part of a community yeah. can really bring on kids in terms of life skills and everything like that and that's what our coaches will, will will aim to do um and we look to try and take that up and down the country to to help as many kids and look we know you know i've got two kids of my own. i know if as a as a parent if you can get an hour or two respite in a in a week then it can make a huge difference so look we hope to help these parents as well by you know taking their kids off the hand for a for a, you know an hour a week or an hour a month whatever but until we get going and um and being able to like you said be a part of a community be a part of a team make new friends mm-hmm. learn life skills and everything so that's one of the that's that's one of them you know the second one's the the life-changing experiences for, um, you know, kids that are maybe going through a really difficult time in terms of, you know, sickness or illness or, um, you know, things like that, trying to trying to give them something to smile about in a really tough time. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I've experienced that, you know, when, you know, we get the privilege of going to, you know, hospitals and stuff at Christmas time and, and being able to see just how, how much of an impact, you know, small gestures from us can can make an impact and and can make them smile and can yeah. you know maybe give them a lift through a really tough time and and also you know like i said earlier you know i worry about my kids every single day and i can't imagine anything um you know being wrong with them and i know it can be tough on the parents and it can be tough tough on the, um you know siblings as well and you know we hope to just give them an experience that will be you know like yeah. calm yeah. cabin you know a week away to go and enjoy it and you know of course hopefully once COVID uh, is all over and you know travel bans are over and concerts are back open, stadiums are back open. Hopefully, you know we can do a lot more things around it and give people really life changing experiences. So you know that one we're obviously excited about. And then the last one I'd obviously just touched on the the Hope for Youth project, where you know it's for our kind of young adults or our teenagers maybe to try and further their education, to try and further their life skills, to try and you know link up with small businesses big businesses to try and give them you know maybe paid work and you know three month contract and see how they do and and try and get them work that might provide for you know their family or might provide for for them you know growing up so um you know these these are things that are all in place these are things that are all ready to go and there are three you know big projects that we'll look to develop we'll look to you know, build on of course and and I think in the five years that's we we try and help as many kids, as many families as possible by doing that. You know, we want to you know it won't happen overnight, but we want to provide free coaching football up and down and and, in five years. I hope we've achieved that. I hope in five years we have a full programme in place for the Hope for Youths. And in five years I hope we're still helping, you know, kids put a wee bit of smile on their face when they're going through a really tough time. So that's our aim. That's our long that's our short term and long term aims. And you know i really hope we can be successful in it because i'm really excited by all three of the projects
0: oh and quite rightly so and i think everybody who's on this facebook live tonight or, or whichever social media platform you're watching it on the fact that you're here means you're interested and the fact that you can actually play a part in it as well it's not just down to andy and the ar 2016 you know you can see like i say the, the website at the bottom of your screen that you can help donate or you can get involved in some of the initiatives that are happening to try and help people who really, really need that. And so it is fantastic that we're all here tonight. I'm going to sign off with a question from Claire Leslie, because this one, it's not necessarily to do with the charity, but it came as a result of us hosting. And I I think it's going to give us a bit of an insight into you, Andy, as a a footballer. Do you have any pre-match superstitions or rituals? And what is your pre-match meal of choice? I mean, I think that actually gives us more of an insight than anything.
2: In terms of pre-match routines and stuff, I'm... I I stick to the same routine all the time, but if ever anything happened to to miss that routine, then I wouldn't be. You know, I'm not saying that I wouldn't be able to cross the white lines and be. So I wouldn't say I'm superstitious, but I do like my I do like my routine. I don't change it. I keep it the same, and mm-hmm. you know, it's to be fair, it's worked for me. You know, it's always been the same since Queens Park Cup. So um, don't change it. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to change it. Don't worry, I'm not going to change it. It's well drilled <laughs> into me, so. Um, you know in terms of that that's um, you know but if anything you know sometimes we're running late sometimes things like that and sometimes you don't have time to do all your bits and bobs and you just get on with it but in terms of pre-match meal I'm always the same I'm always chicken pasta and a bit of pesto sauce and then I'll have a kind of because I, you know before games I don't like eating I kind of struggle to eat so uh-huh. It's kind of a, not a running joke, but every club I've been at, they've always said how many like rolls and bread I eat. So I always put my chicken in a roll and I just eat it because it's the easiest way to get it down. So that's <laughs> uh, that's my pre-match. That's, it's always the same, it never changes. And then, um, you know, the, the, the bun is crucial to it. Um, but the lads get on to me because I do eat quite a lot of buns to be fair. And, <laughs> That's not going to change anytime soon, so um, they're used to it now and they better continue to be used to it because, um, like I said, i will continue eating it.
0: The key is, though, have you managed to find a good Scotch roll down there? Because I could never when I lived down south.
2: Nope, not found it yet. Um, yeah. been on to the Liverpool chefs and have not been able <laughs> to produce it, so I just need to <laughs> deal with a normal roll, which is, you know, a bit devastating. But, um, you know, when I come up to Scotland, I at least get the roll of, uh, of my roll. choice.
0: Exactly. Well, there's a secret, kids. Anyone who's looking to be an aspiring footballer, put your chicken in a roll. That <laughs> that's the secret. Listen, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. It's been so great to share this experience of launching the AR26. Andy, thank you for your time. Thank you for your foresight to start doing this. I'm sure I speak on behalf of a lot of people who are going to benefit from this. Paul, thanks so much for, for joining us tonight and for, for collecting those questions from the fans. We wish you all the best of luck with the charity. It's not going to be down to luck, though, it's going to be down to hard work and dedication, which I know you already have in place. For anyone looking for more information, as I say, the the website's going across the screen. All the social media channels have it. But for myself, it's been, you know, thank you for asking me to be part of it. It's been an absolute pleasure. And you know, I just wish you all the best and, and no doubt see you soon.
2: Thank you very much, guys. And thank you both for giving up your time. I know, you know, I couldn't think of anyone better to do it. Emma, you know, I've done it a lot with you, Paul. Perfect to represent the Scousers. So, thank you all for giving up your time. And, like you said, it's going to be down to hard work. And we've got a team that's willing to do it. And hopefully, that grows. And and hopefully, um, you know, people can start seeing a big difference um, with the projects we have in place.
0: You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.